sometimes a property would look great. We go out there and be like, okay, well, there's this huge cemetery right across the street. Right. You've got a lot of neighbors there, but <laughs> that was a bad joke. That's a bad joke. But they're but pretty quiet. They're quiet. Well, at least during the day. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit podcast. It's Heather and Pete once again, and we're here. It's another Tuesday and just a great day. Yeah, we're in San Diego. Oh my gosh, my voice. Did you hear that? I did hear that, but, but I don't know, I don't know else if everyone did. else did. I know, that's funny. We're in San Diego. San Diego, California. Right. Yeah. I don't, right? Are there other San Diegos? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But even though it looks like I'm in the Arctic. Okay. Um, You know, I'm not. I don't think people dress like that in the Arctic either. I, <laughs> I probably would. You got to be watching this on YouTube, by the way. Anyhow. Yeah, I know. The first time I went to New York City, I brought a like a warm jacket. I got off the plane and I was like, where's the closest store? Because it was like my Southern California warm jacket was... Did you have one of those I love New York jackets or something like no. that that you're wearing around? I don't I don't remember the rest of it. I know we stopped somewhere and I bought like some sort of coat that like I couldn't move in. It was so like, you know, I had never worn something like that before. And the, I called my mom and I was like, that jacket was not enough. And my mom was like, yeah, that probably makes sense. My mom was like born on the East Coast. She lived in New York. Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is how you set me up with this like windbreaker for... <laughs> windbreaker <laughs> you know, i mean that's what this i felt is, like for like new year's eve weren't you going there for yeah them? and yeah. i remember walking on the side of the street and um i turned to my friend i was like i can't feel my face like because we just don't have so we're wimps i'm I'm a wimp I, a lot of people who live here are not wimps but it's like in the 50s so i'm in my yeah you get soft when you live in california yeah but then look while. at you right same weather t-shirt. And you're in a t-shirt and right yeah but anyway so yeah it's really um it's definitely feels like spring it does sprung. spring is sprung yes after yeah. easter we're you know, heading into summer, this is exciting mm-hmm. for me. And we we're talking about how we get like a renewed energy from just the longer days of sunlight, the warmer weather. Yeah. I think I, I realized this year I do get like, and not depressed, but like, you know, I can feel when it's too cloudy or whatever. It's called seasonal affective disorder. SAD is the acronym. Oh, for that. well, I get sad. It's a real thing. I know. Are you qualified to diagnose me with that? No, but I saw an article about it on TV. So you're time. an expert. You're like yes. a psychiatrist, a psychologist, I, yeah. and a therapist. That's right. I got it all. I know. Uh, our daughter should, did this little video that she made like uh, years and years ago. And she talked about how she was like an expert in this thing because she had she had looked up articles on Yahoo. She's like, yeah, I did. I went on Yahoo and now I know everything. <laughs> so for you, it's just you need a couple yes, right. articles. But anyway, so this is like for a lot of people that are, are in real estate in kind of some of those areas that have a lot of snow, it's starting hopefully soon to melt. Yeah, this is go time. Right. Yeah. And if you're sending out offers, maybe you really need to like be pumping it up now yeah. so that the prime time. Yeah. Crank it up. Mm-hmm. Like and it, yeah. Crank it up. And uh, in housing, it that it does a lot of times follow that because people, especially if they have families with kids in schools, they don't want to move their kids like during school mm-hmm. or during holidays. Right. So yep. anyways, um, so what are we talking about today before we get into my favorite segment? OK, we're talking about how to evaluate land to buy. You know, there's a certain checklist of things that we looked at for each parcel as we're mm-hmm. trying to evaluating it and trying to decide, do we want to buy it? And if so, what is that price that we want to buy it at? So today we're talking about all those things. Okay. And this isn't something that like you had from the beginning. This is something that like you've created this checklist 
over oh yeah i've refined this checklist over time and uh yeah it's the process i use my every time i look at a new piece of land that comes in a new deal that comes in i'm looking at this checklist that right now the checklist is up here but i've also put it down on paper okay we'll talk more about that a little bit so in the news i tagged a couple articles so this is real estate news by the way right yeah just kind of like because i think land doesn't necessarily follow the same i don't know it's not 100 percent the same as like you know, all the different other faucets of real estate, but I think it's important to kind of, you know, keep our finger in the pulse of, is that the right term? Keep our finger <laughs> sure. in the pulse of, I mean, that doesn't sound right, but whatever. <laughs> we'll just, we'll just go with that one. Anyways. So the news this past week has all been about, do you have an idea? No. What I'm going to talk about? No, mm. commercial. Mm, okay. Commercial real estate. So half the articles, it, like earlier in the week, it was like, Commercial real estate is going to crash. Like it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And now I'm seeing some that are like saying like this one title from CNBC says the coming real estate. I'm sorry. The coming commercial real estate crash that may never happen. (laughs) All these experts talking about they know what's going to happen. But and three days later, it's now like. Right. Like, I don't know. Were they expecting? Well, we called it on Monday and then like it didn't happen by Wednesday. Yeah. So I'm going to say like it might never happen. Right. (laughs) I don't know. That's none of my hey, business. You know, I, I love the commercial real estate space. And obviously we do a ton with land flipping. That's mm-hmm. our main business. But I'm always looking at potential commercial deals. And when I find them, I like to try to take it, uh, advantage of them. So, right. you know, here's hopefully the, there's some deals that come along. Right. But here's the thing. I think that if you're sitting here constantly waiting for a drop, you're never going to hit the bottom. If that's your, like your thing, like I'm only going to buy when it's like the bottom. You will never buy anything you, because yeah, you don't know when the bottom is. No. And sometimes a lot of these things, like, you don't talk about like the pandemic. We won't know when it's officially like really over for like, I think they say two years. Mm-hmm. So it's like even something like that, that you can judge like a metric, like there's actual, you know, numbers out there. They can't, you can't tell because, you know, it could be like a false bottom and then come back up. And I think it's the same with real estate. Like you could have a drop one day and be like, oh my gosh, you know, like or right. the stock market. And then like days later, you're like, oh, wait, that that wasn't it. It can go far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, people struggled with that. The market crash that we had in, mm-hmm. the, you know, 2007 to 2008-ish area. They struggled with that because they, you know, there were a lot of people thinking, okay, I'm going to buy at the bottom. I'm going to buy at the bottom. But they couldn't really determine where that bottom was. And it really wasn't evident until maybe 2014, 2015 right. in a lot of people's eyes that, oh, things are starting to tick up a little bit. But in hindsight, it's very clear. You could see exactly where the bottom was at and and buying in that whole, in, in that time frame. You know, everyone would have been doing it if they would have realized it at the time, but they don't. And that's where the saying comes from. It's applicable to so many things. It's hindsight is 2020. Right. Yeah. You know, you got to look back. I, I was just thinking of two separate times when we were helping people buy properties during that time period. And they were like at the last hour for sending their money and they were like, you know, so-and-so told me I shouldn't buy this. Right. It's like a bad time to buy. And one of them had a family member that was like a real estate professional uh-huh. um, of some sort. I think transaction. Professional. Yeah, exactly. They didn't buy or sell real estate, but they were in the system of closings or something. And they were like, yeah, so-and-so said we shouldn't, we're going to bail. And I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you have to. I said, but if you look back, you know what I mean? And right. like, look at a big picture. Yeah, like you're buying this property for half of what it was worth two years ago. I think they got it for even less than that. Probably 40%, right. 30%. I, but 
you know, mm-hmm. and then didn't you see them like, oh, yeah. some time after that? And they're like, oh, that is the best thing property we um, ever bought because well, they, they tripled their money on it or something. And they were able to retire yeah. early. That's That was the big thing because, I mean, not going into it, they got this money. It wasn't like uh, money that they had saved. They used the money just to buy, I think, cash for the property. Mm-hmm. And then it appreciated so much, but also the rent was like out of the park. They, you know, kept going up and up and they um, decided to completely retire mm-hmm. and they had enough with a like pension or retirement account plus this income coming in that they didn't have to work. And like she was like, you have no idea. Like, had we not bought that? And I was like, yeah, you yep. know, none of my business. I think that's just going to be like my thing. And then there was one other one. I was thinking of the same thing, like the, you know, last hour they're like, oh, I don't know. Is this the lowest? And at the time I was like, I have no idea. Like we just went through like a crazy period. I don't know if it was the lowest or not, but look at it for what it is right now. Right. And, and that was for them to live in Would this meet your needs. It's a stable payment every month. So you wouldn't have to worry about that. Yeah. And then they were like super happy too. Actually, mm-hmm. I can think of more, uh, you know. It's yeah. Like, there's lots of stories from that time period. Uh, I don't think and anyone's I, ever like, darn it. I should not yeah, have bought it that bo- I, you know? I think of properties that we, we were thinking about like buying at that mm-hmm. time and stuff. And we passed on them. And that was, you know, that's the time to be accumulating things. <laughs> like really during that time period, you know. If you had, you know, the resources and everything to take advantage of those type of deals, they were just, you know, life changing. Right. If we had been a little bit older, too, like Mm -hmm. we were a lot younger and the kids were little. So we were like more risk adverse. But anyway, so I I think that's you. But again, no one knew until. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I don't fault people for being worried. You you don't. We came through like a weird dip time. But anyways, so um, about the commercial real estate, it's saying that, first of all, these fears started because when the smaller regional banks started to fail or show signs of stress, they thought, well, a lot of them hold a lot of local real estate in in commercial, like local commercial. That's normally what they specialize in. And and if they're having, if the banks themselves are having problems, it's going to, they won't be able to lend and all this kind of stuff. And they thought it'd be like a kind of a quicker thing and it hasn't happened. But the other issue is that, well, I mean, there's a couple of things too. Like a lot of people are still working from home. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, you know, and there's some areas that are, you know, considered ghost towns, but then people who live there are like, this is not actually that big of a, like New York city. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, it's not, it's that not a bad. ghost town. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, but then they take the numbers from like the commuter trains coming in and those aren't back to where they were before. But then someone's saying, well, did you go on a Monday or Friday? Because now people are, they might be coming back, but they're more flexible. Maybe the people, you know, the employers are saying just come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Mondays and Fridays, you can work at home. That would be creating like really good. I think that the employees would be more happy, right? a better work-life balance. Maybe they're getting more sleep, you know, so I, but they're still going to need those Tuesday through Thursday. So did you go on a Monday or did you go on a Tuesday to do your counts? Mm-hmm. Did you average it? I don't know. And then the other issue, let me pull this up again. I just got it out of my head. So, you know, like they also, during a lot of people got these loans at the beginning of 2020 and normally they're three to five years or, you know, like the different, like three oh, bridge years, loans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five years, 10 years, whatever. A lot of them went for the three year ones because they thought there was so much uncertainty in the market. Right. Well, in the world, they were like, we'll do three years and we're coming up on three years here. And they're like, now they can't refinance those to get even close to it. Like Right. The rates are, are a lot higher. I don't know. I, you know, and then a lot of people are talking about how, you know, the whole thing about how malls were. Remember, like, it, like middle of last decade, we were like, oh, they're going to have to repurpose malls that you could see them kind of dying and stuff. Right. Hasn't really happened. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, you see you see little things like the anchor stores kind of changing out to some mm-hmm. different concepts. But, yeah, I think at some point there's going to be need to be kind of a bold repurposing, you know, like. We've we talked about this before. I think a really cool idea would be to actually convert some of that space 
into residentials like, or like retirement be, communities or retirement community yeah well they're they hanging out there at anyhow mall. can you imagine but, you know it, like <laughs> if you converted some of those big box retailer spaces to you know really trendy type condos mm-hmm. and then you had a lot of the stores and shops in the mall service related that to support these people i think that could really be a kind of cool concept as well especially if you're not married like if you know roommates or or without kids i should say i guess married doesn't matter but um without or without kids that's kind of a cool atmosphere like you guys maybe you work from home but then you go get lunch and it's only like 30 feet away that's right you know especially if you lived in in a colder climate where Mm -hmm. it's tough to get out outside during the winter or whatever you've got this whole like huge space to just where were we in calgary maybe where they had that indoor almost like forest Mm -hmm. it felt like in this mall yeah that was really cool yeah like and it actually i could see i was thinking like boy when it's really dark and dreary and cold coming in here would be like i'd feel like i was feels like it's a daytime type park situation you're in it was really interesting even though it's freezing outside (laughs) yeah well they're saying the same thing now about the big uh, office buildings can they repurpose those into you know something maybe like residential but then they're also saying that some areas um the governments are not are the yeah the you know you'd be looking at zoning changes mm-hmm. and a lot of them are not open to doing that because they make more taxes on like commercial than they would residential right. Right. so a lot of them are like well we're going to hold out we don't care about the owner who's just sitting on something that they can't do anything with want to learn the secret to building a thriving land flipping business head on over to landconquest.com and join over 2,000 passionate land flippers leveraging the power of community to scale quickly sign up for free at landconquest.com all right let's get back to the show we're gonna hold out until maybe they lose it it'll force somebody else to get in there like where's we need to have a checks like not a checks and balance but some sort of balance here where they're like saying okay well let's at least get it right working again so anyways Commercial real estate. I don't know. I mean, I think that there's going to be opportunities. There'll because, be opportunities. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's good to take like the way we look at it is the money that you make from the flipping. Like that's kind of the the money source. And mm. then you can put it into other parts of real estate. So yeah, they go the, hand in hand. The wealth creation side is the mm-hmm. long term holds, I guess you could yeah, say. And then what Um, before I, I was going to pull a, a cheat sheet of I actually have your printout. Right. From your evaluating land deals, but I don't know what I was going to say. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> great was, point, Heather. Thank you. Let's thank you get into much. the main topic of the podcast today, mm-hmm. which is how to evaluate land to buy. And we're also going to answer some questions later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. got uh, questions from the community that we have pulled. And by the way, if you're not a member of the community yet, and I know you've heard me say this a million times, please join. Link is below here. It's a great group of people. We all have a lot of fun. We're learning. And the the other thing about that is there's a training program that will be released in there soon. It's our full training program on how to flip land, how to do it all for yourself. And it's not some crappy free course that's just the surface. And then I try to upsell you to, to a more expensive program. It's not like that at all. It's a free training program that teaches you everything you need to know. I think my facial expressions say it all. Sometimes I don't even need to talk. I just, you know, okay. I agree with you. So um, we're going to get into this. I'm going to ask you some questions about it and we'll, okay. we'll post it. Fire away, Heather. Okay. How to evaluate land to buy. So you created this checklist and um, the first thing I see on it is the county, the state and the APN. Yes. That's kind of the basic information I put at the top of the checklist. But basically when you're looking at a property, the first piece of information that you need to figure out is like... You know, and you'll be provided this, you know, as a lead comes in or something like mm-hmm. that. But you're looking at the county or the state and the county. That's mm-hmm. kind of the the big overall thing. And then the other identifier is the parcel number. So and that's kind of like the social security number for, for a piece of land. Like each piece of land has a parcel number 
that's uh, its identification number that is on record with the county. You know, something I don't even know if you know the answer to this, but I never even thought of it before. But do you think there's any APNs that are duplicates throughout the country? Or is oh, it- yes, I'm sure. I mean, oh. they have, you know, some of these states have very complicated ones like, you know, 15 digits and dashes mm-hmm. and letters and all this kind of stuff. But some counties have very, you know, simple ones like, you know, a four digit type identification number. So. Yes, you definitely need to know the county, the state and the county first before looking that up. Wish, you know, a million years ago, they had just decided to have one that was like the same. For, I know some sort of like standardized cream. system. Yeah, like I know. social security numbers. Mm-hmm. Anyways. OK, well, that was a fun question that right. popped in my head. OK, and this also for me on my side of things, this is good because it just to keep it organized. Mm-hmm. Yes, like it's a, the same format for every single property so that when you're looking for it, you know, through your records, you can see that. OK, so the first thing up here is access. What do you mean by that? Mm, access. Yeah, that's one of the most important things that I look at. First thing, actually, I look at when I see a piece of land mm-hmm. because I get so many leads that are from landlocked type properties. And this means that does this property have actual frontage on a public roadway, meaning, you know, there's a road here and your land butts up against that road. That's called road frontage. Okay. And you're look outside of even access. You're looking for that. Yeah. Cause, the, cause then you've got access. Like you've immediately have access okay, if it's so on you a don't public have to worry roadway. About... Now the only mm-hmm. caveat to that is if it butts up against a major highway Oh, and I've, I've looked at those before and I've kind of gotten, you know, multiple layers into the evaluation. And then I realized, wait a second, it looks like it has access on these satellite images, mm-hmm. but it's like a major highway. So it's not like you could put a driveway off that major highway into your property. So in those cases, unless you have access from another side, you actually don't have access. You don't have access. Yeah. Right. Might be a good billboard property, but Mm -hmm. a property to live on or something like that, probably not. Not so much. It's where you need your, like you would say, your helicopter. Yeah. Chopper. I prefer to call it chopper. Get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, That's funny. Okay. And then I know we've talked about access a million times before, but you also could have like a flog, a flog, a flag lot. Yes. Yes. So there's all kinds of access. It doesn't have to be public frontage on a public road. Uh, Also, a lot of properties have, you know, dirt road access where it could be what they call easement access, meaning that it's actually like a private road sort of like winding through other else's? people's properties okay. to get to your property. Now, as long as that's deeded, you have actually official access to the property. Now, it's generally not as desirable as having frontage on a public roadway, but, you know, the, we buy and sell those type of properties all the time. There's a lot of them out there. So, you know, and sometimes these private roads, they, there's a road maintenance agreement between all the people that live on this, this private road. And sometimes there's nothing formal at all. And just kind of the people that live on the road sort of pitch together and keep it maintained. But generally, you know, having having that deeded easement easement access is fine. And also when I say deeded, generally, it's actually on the deed of the property that you're buying. It'll say something like this Mm -hmm. 45 foot wide access and it will be here in perpetuity and all all this type of through um, APN, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Or it'll say like as referenced on this plat map done by so and so on this date. So generally, you can get close to that on the deed if it's actually legal deeded access, which is what we look for. And then we've got properties that have access, meaning you could get there. It looks like there's a dirt road or something like that that'll take you there. And none of the neighbors are complaining, but then it's not on the deed. And then you have a problem because... Someone could. Yeah, someone at, at mm. some point could put up a stink about it. And like a lot of 
I guess it depends on the area, but sometimes if it's been used, there's a, you could say, this has been a, a I can't Yeah, like a prescriptive for, easement. Yeah, I think like, it's called in a lot yeah, of areas. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. used this. But the problem is that that's good and all, but someone could still fight you on it and you still then have to defend right, it. Right, you still have to pay legal fees right. and you have to go through a process with the courts or something like that in order to establish that. So definitely less desirable if you have that situation. And the, the other layer that we run into a lot, unfortunately, is is a parcel that's kind of like an island in between other different pieces of land. Mm-hmm. There's no physical roadway getting there, no dirt road, no road frontage, no nothing. It's just there. So yes, you would own that piece of land, but... Good luck getting there. Right, good luck getting there unless you've got the chopper that we were talking about. Or, you know, you, you can, you know, a lot of these states have rules that you could actually, you're actually able to get to the property like there's a legal uh, stuff like you could walk to the property you could get there to, for agricultural purposes or, or other things but you wouldn't be able to build a home site on the mm-hmm. property and establish a real driveway or something like that so i mean um, and again that's like if you're you like these kind of challenges right um, you you could specialize in this and probably make a lot of money yeah definitely but you know and so that's that's one of the first things that I look at because just because we run into that so much so it's one of the, one of the first things that I look at when I evaluate these properties and I notice this checklist is in order of like if you got to it and there was no access it's kind of like okay yeah. bye yeah kind of like if I'm limited on time I really wouldn't dig into it further right so these are all kind of like you mm-hmm. know the next one is wetlands and I mm-hmm. the same kind of thing if it's like a f- just wetlands you would be like right. okay next yeah yeah if it's swamp if it's <laughs> You know, I know why I love when you say when you're like swamp. a swamp. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if it's a swamp uh-huh. or if it's some other type of wetland type area, coastal wetlands or something like that, um, there's limited uses. You know, mm-hmm. some type, um, you know, some people use them for developers buy wetland type areas sometimes in order to as like a mitigation thing. So basically they're trying to develop a property with wetlands on it and they want to you know, bring in dirt to get rid of this wetlands or something like that. They allow them to actually do that in some cases if they buy up other parcels of land that have wetland and use it as a uh, offset, I guess right. you and they, say. And then the other ones that they buy can never be built on. Right. Yeah, so they it'd have be to like dedicate deeded. this. Like, yeah. This is forever a wetland. Right. Exactly. So that type of thing happens mm-hmm. sometimes. But but not a lot of not a lot of uses in, in a lot of situations no. for those wetlands. And that's not something we want to do is be right. depleting wetlands. But yeah, exactly. Because they are such a, a really critical habitat mm-hmm. for animals and, and the whole ecosystem. But it's common, actually, that we buy properties that have a little bit of wetlands on it. You know, some wet, some portion of it is wetlands, but also another portion of it is dry, regular land as well. So it's just something that we look at. And then that would go into this one, the FEMA flood zone. So you'd want to check if the building area. Yeah, exactly. So the FEMA flood zone. See, we use tools to, that will kind of show you all these things really quickly. The one we use is called MapRite. And but- it just like changes the color of Yeah, it? it's like an overlay. You can oh, okay. click a box and it, and it overlays kind of like. So if it's in the FEMA flood zone, it'll this whole it'll turn blue or green or whatever their overlay is for that particular area. <laughs> this area could be underwater. Yeah. So and they have different designations for the FEMA flood zone. Could be it floods every five hundred years. Could be it floods every hundred years mm-hmm. or something like that. And then you've got you know certain areas. All the whole area has is in some sort of FEMA flood zone. So in those type of situations, it's just standard and customary for that area. So you wouldn't necessarily throw that property out just because of that in that area. Right, because like other people are also building in the 500-year yeah. flood zones. Yeah, and, and the, the easy way to look at that, to determine that, is to look at the satellite images and see where the overlay is and see, are there other houses in this FEMA flood zone? Mm-hmm. Then you can see it's typical for that area. 
That's interesting because I think I would have in the beginning just thrown it out. Yeah. And in, in the FEMA flood zone, what you can do sometimes too is it's not like um, wetlands or sensitive habitats. Mm-hmm. So you can actually import dirt to bring the level of the land up. So like say it's, you know, it's two feet below the FEMA flood zone or something like two, three feet um, below the FEMA flood zone. You could import dirt to bring the level of your property up so your house sits above that. How fun. Uh, yeah. Or you could build a house on stilts, which a lot of coastal areas do that as mm-hmm. well. Interesting. So there's ways around that. But like, I mean, we live in California and it's normally super, super dry. So mm-hmm. that's not something that we would have even known. Mm-hmm. But that's why it's important if you look at the different houses in the area and say, well, what do they look like? There's probably a reason. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if they're on stilts, I wouldn't build one that's not on stilts. But, right. but that's none of my business. I'd like to have stilts. To walk in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that'd be fun. When I was like five, I thought that was really cool too. I think we had some like that when I was little. Like, I yeah. don't know. Sounds like a dangerous toy for a kid. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> wow. Um, topography. Oh, uh, topography. Okay, that's a fancy way of saying, what does the land look like? Is it rolling? Is it flat? Is it on the side of a mountain? You know, like a really steep slope. Generally, you know, flat or rolling properties are more desirable than something that's pretty steep. Mm-hmm. And the one caveat to that is if you are in an area with some tremendous views Mm -hmm. and a lot of those, you know, areas like that are, you know, you have to build on the slope in order to get those views. Obviously, the best thing would be to have like some sort of ridge line where you've got this flat area on top with the tremendous views also. But, you know, that's kind of hard to find in some some areas. They don't even let you build on those ridge lines. Yeah, I guess this goes to the same kind of thing, though. You should look and see what the neighborhood is like. Mm -hmm. See that um, we were just having dinner with my sister and her husband and they were out in Tennessee. Was Mm -hmm. that where it was? And they were showing us a picture of a house. It was like literally on a cliff. It had a big lawn Uh and then it was like a 500 foot cliff or something (laughs) like, you know, and that would they were saying like that would never fly here. And there, you know, that's yeah. not as crazy. So, but again, I would have looked at something like that originally and been like, oh, that it's not even buildable. Right. Like, or you're going to have to do some sort of major, I don't know, safety railing. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Just don't well, throw the bluffs here along the coast. You know, people uh-huh. build really close that's to that true. bluff, but it's an issue too. You know, that's constant erosion. And you have the bluff collapses and things. So it's always something to be concerned about. Yeah. You know? And future liability too. Like you're thinking mm-hmm. uh, someone um, was killed by a bluff collapse and they sued the condo community mm. that are on that bluff and the railroad. And I think that's just, I mean, that's also California, mm-hmm. but you know, you want to be looking at it. What is that one saying that like you always talk about how desirable properties, it, it the price is set by what the people will pay mm-hmm. and people want desirable properties. Right. So, you know, you need to look at the big picture. Would I buy here? I mean, if it's cheap enough. Right. And there will be a buyer. Sure. But, you know. Yeah. Do you want to buy a property that, you know, most most potential buyers would see as junk? Right. Like and and is everyone, you know, if it's a kind of a cliff thing, are people just building on the cliff like here? Maybe they would have originally been like, yeah, that's not smart to build. But Mm -hmm. they started seeing people doing it. And yeah. So the next thing on your list is landscape, trees, meadows, farmland, et cetera. What are you looking for in that? Yeah, so it, each area is a little bit different, you know? So if you're buying something in the desert, the landscape is gonna be way different than if you're buying something in the Northeastern United States, you know, where it's forests and trees and things like that. You know, the desert is obviously the desert. There's mm-hmm. just scrub brush and things like that. So, but then you've got different landscapes within a certain area. So for instance, you know, take the northeast as an example pennsylvania or something like that you've got areas that are woodland you've got areas that are farmland uh you've got areas that are developed 
or maybe you've got areas that are a combination of those things. Maybe you've got uh, water features or ponds or things, some, things like that in the landscape as well. So that's another thing that you look at and it, it affects the value of the property, first of all, but it also affects kind of the usability of some of these properties, you know, rocky outcroppings or things like that could have, you know, affect the value of a certain property. So that's right. kind of what I look at in the landscape. If you've got really nice, beautiful trees that are established and mm -hmm. just a really beautiful place, then it's probably going to be worth a little more as well. So like if someone, you know, clear cut it, that would take away some of the value. Yeah, unless it's prime farmland. Right. So and prime farmland is a is a whole nother category of things. And you know, people that that type of thing is is very in demand and, and commands a, a big premium as well. Yeah. I remember a conversation you had with someone not too recently. 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 Okay. Recently. Um, and they were talking about um you said, Oh yeah, I'm mailing in, in these areas and um and they were like, Oh yeah, I like XYZ areas, but I don't like, you shouldn't do the other two areas because I've been there and I don't like it. And you were trying to explain how, well, I get that, but it's, they're still popular areas and it's about price. Yeah. It's not about like. Boost your land flipping earnings with our new land conquest business system. It's designed for efficiency and effectiveness. This cutting edge software tool is your key to success in the land flipping industry. Streamline and automate your operations to scale your business to new heights. With our system, you get a customizable website with six professional templates to choose from, up to five dedicated phone numbers, each with their own chosen area codes for creating a trustworthy local presence. And as a bonus, you'll get a $25 credit for SMS and email sends. You'll also get access to our tech team to build any automations or customizations that you want. And not to mention, we've got a great dedicated community to the land conquest business system to help us all thrive together and with every step of the way you get our 24 7 live chat support but that's not all you'll also gain access to our exclusive community to connect and grow with fellow land flippers seize the opportunity to transform your business visit software.landconquest.com to check out the land conquest business system and unlock the next stage of your land flipping success you liking it. I mean, we wouldn't move to some of these areas. Mm -hmm. Maybe and some of these areas we absolutely would move to, but that's again none of my business. Like mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, everybody out there and they're not me. That's right. So, it's kind of taking your personal and we say it kind of in a balanced way like would you want your family to live here? Mm -hmm. Right? But we're also saying like if you liked this area mm -hmm. or this was the area where your whole family is from and you're going to move here, would you like to do it? Right. And I thought that was interesting too because um it has nothing to do with what you just said, mm, but I okay. liked I know I liked that you were talking about how it's just about buying it at the right price to be able to sell it at, at mm, another yeah. good price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if I know I could sell it for, uh, you know, a good amount more than mm -hmm. what I bought it for, then, you know, ultimately that's what we're looking at doing. But, you know, if, if it's a junky property, even if it's really cheap, people are going to want a big discount on that junky property right. in order to buy it. And there's not as many people that are out there looking for junky properties. Right. <laughs> so. well, and, it, and I think it was kind of like the person was saying, well, these two areas would be like the Beverly Hills mm. of this state. Okay. And you were also, you were, you were, you know mailing to that but you were also mailing to like the long beach of the area mm -hmm. which maybe is not everyone's cup of tea but there's plenty of people who like to live in long beach and there's a lot of fun things to do Snoop in long Dogs beach. from long beach so there you go you've been to long beach right yeah many times. times okay with you with me I'm okay surprised you don't go. remember <laughs> those are memorable trips we ate at the cheesecake factory did we really <laughs> probably <laughs> yes, i mean that did. sounds about right i don't i don't know queen is, mary did they have one there yes huh oh queen mary yeah yes. of course okay and we've left gone on cruises from there right but you know what i mean it's not like it's you can't compare it to Beverly Hills. 
So yeah, I mean, of course, anyone if you're asking, would you rather live here or there? They choose that, but that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the fact that it's still a hot area. People are buying and selling. Right. It's just about getting you know the right price. That's that's right. Okay, so I've got one more here for you on this list. It says neighboring properties. What do you mean, Peter? Oh, okay. Neighboring properties. Well, neighboring properties, believe it or not, can have a big impact on that property that you're evaluating it. it. So yes, you believe it. Okay, well, that's great. So <laughs> basically what happens is if you've got a neighboring property that's got a hog r- farm, a hog farm, yes, a hog lagoon, hog lagoon, if they're running a junkyard out of their house, uh-huh. you know, any of these types of things could be really huge negatives. <laughs> I you hope know? so, yeah. And it's going to have more of an impact that you probably realize. You, you're probably looking on the satellite map, you're looking, evaluating these properties and you're thinking, oh, you know, that's a nice property. I, I know the neighbor is not so great or whatever, but. You know, some of these neighbors can really, really impact your property value. And, and we're not talking uh, about these people. We're talking about their u- how they're using the right. land. Right. And the people can, the people can right. too, actually. Right. But we don't know them. So <laughs> you we don't wouldn't... know that from a satellite image. No. <laughs> right. So neighboring properties can have an impact uh, on your property value. And talking about the people, say you go out there to evaluate the property to your send a photographer out there and the photographer tells you, oh, yeah, the neighbor met me there with a shotgun. Mm hmm. You know, and he says that anyone that walks in this property is going to do the same thing. You might want to be cautious about buying that property because then your potential buyers are going to run into the same guy with a shotgun. And I'm sure they're not going to want to buy it. No, I mean, whether or not you're pro-gun not, you don't want your neighbor. No, you don't want to be threatened with a gun every uh-huh. time you walk on this property. Uh-huh. Or, right. To your or, own right, property. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> thanks, so, but no thanks. Right. So, yeah. So. Neighbors can have an, uh, a big impact, and it's something that I think it's overlooked a lot, but should be considered. You know, and, and I just think of examples of homes and things that I've sh- shown over the years back in my real estate, you know, mm-hmm. um, realtor career. You know, sometimes a property will look great. We go out there and be like, okay, well, there's this huge cemetery right across the street. Right. You know that had that has and you've got a lot of neighbors there. But <laughs> that was a bad joke. That's a bad joke. But they're but pretty quiet. They're quiet. Well, at least during the day. Uh, so, you know, but that really impacts the property. Like everyone's like, are you going to be really proud to have people over to your house? You'd be like, yeah, look at the big, huge cemetery across the street. I mean, and that's the thing is that you will find somebody who will buy that. You right. will, right? But let's say you had 50 people who, who would be desperate to buy this house. Mm-hmm. And then they see that. And so now you're working with that one person that's like, oh, I don't care. And by then, you've also lowered the property value because what's the competition for one person wanting to buy it? Yeah. And kind of on, along those same lines, mm-hmm. different type of neighbor. We were looking at this one like house scared. that popped up in the area here. Uh-huh. And it was built right along the freeway. And this and the freeway here oh, yeah. are, are just are no joke. They're right. like, you know, four to six lanes going in each direction. I mean, major, major freeways. And this home was a beautiful home just built right along the freeway. So in that case, there's not going to be a lot of people that want, and it, I, the last I checked, it's still, still on the market. Sale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it appears really cheap, the price. But the problem is that it's going to be that same situation. You're always going to run into that. So, so even you if have to adjust it accordingly. Yeah. Even so. if you're cool for it, even if you're buying it for you, the reality is that someday you might want to sell it. And Again, it's going to be limiting. Um, I also want to point out on that one, I had to do a drive-by on it because where they put it in on the map was not by the right. freeway. Playing a little, little yeah. game there. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I was like, wait a minute, that street is definitely over there. I was like, well, I better just drive by and see if maybe, because uh-huh. it would have been a great deal. Yeah, they put the pin on the map at uh-huh. a different spot. <laughs> yeah, away from the freeway. So I was like, yeah, that's not that's... cool. I was thinking of some other ones um, by schools. 
Mm. And some people would think that's great. Like it's, but for me, that's my idea of hell because in the morning and in the night or in the evenings yeah, or whatever, trapped. Yeah. you can't get in and out. And then if they have any sort of events, you're, they will park in your driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, hospitals, you would hear sirens. Yes. A lot of times they're pretty, at least around here, they'll turn off the sirens because mm-hmm. they don't wake everyone coming constantly, but you would see that. And maybe for some people that would be a, a train tracks, train tracks. Yep. Uh, under airplanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because when we lived in Newport, depending on the wind, we were by John Wayne Airport and I grew up up there. So I grew up hearing planes. It didn't phase me at all. I guess, again, it's if they would come over certain areas based off the wind because it's a weird airport. So sometimes they would do takeoffs this way and you'd hear nothing. And other times they would shift and stuff. Um, And they have set hours, you know, they can't do before or after a certain time. But some people like when I moved away and then I moved back, I could hear them all. You never heard the airplanes. Right. Like it did not phase you at all. Yeah. You know, after a couple of years, I was kind of back into not hearing it. So even if it doesn't bother you, road noise is a big deal. Yeah. So all these things mm-hmm. are, are kind of, I guess, under that neighbor category. I mean, yeah. uh, maybe not uh, like an actual person as a neighbor, mm-hmm. but but what you're next to, what that property is next to really, mm-hmm. really factors. Crematorium. Into. Crematorium. Yes. And, you know, that we've seen that come up a number of times. It's, you know. Unfortunate. They got to do it somewhere, I guess, but. Maybe Not in my backyard. In the middle of the desert yeah, I, don't, I don't know. No, thank you. And the other uh-huh. thing that we look at too, it's, I don't know if that's on that checklist, but it, which is a whole nother category itself that we'll have to save for another, you know, episode is price. How do you determine what that property is actually I believe worth? you wrote value. Value. Yes. But that's a whole nother subset and that's a whole nother thing that you need to devote, you know, focused attention to. So that's why we're splitting that in, mm-hmm. out into something else. But these are the things that go into the value. This mm-hmm. is what you need to do for every single property. Right. And it has to be systemized. The other reason it's really important to do this is that it takes emotion out of it. Right. You could even do a score. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that before doing a scoring system. We don't need to. Mm-hmm. But at some point, if that it might come to that where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, each of these gets a one to ten. And then you add them all up and you don't buy anything under 60 or so. I don't know. You know what I mean? And because the more that you can take the emotion out of it, the better. Right. It's literally about the numbers. I mean, we're talking about things that are emotional across from a cemetery and stuff, but it's almost, it's not emotional. Once you have your guidelines set up, if it's across from a cemetery, it's a full stop. Right. Like, and a lot of people will try to justify it. We've done that, Mm -hmm. but- the land looks so good or, but whatever. And, and maybe you're right. We bought stuff across from cemeteries. Wow. Recreational type property. Not on my watch. Okay. I just don't tell Heather about this. Exactly. Those yeah. How, so. how many of these properties are you actually evaluating um, that we're buying? Oh, so many of them. <laughs> oh, so many. Do you None. see them? Do you see a lot of these properties before we actually buy them? Yes. Sometimes. Because yes. I send the wire uh-huh. and by see it, it's literally just the name. The name. I confirm that. And Pete, the numbers. <laughs> exactly. I've confirmed the price. I confirmed Pete's confirmed the wiring instructions if it's a new yes. place, you know, the practical stuff. But, you know, I, I do have access to your emails and there's time periods where I'll go through and kind of and it's like, cool. But then it's it's uh, almost like watching a soap opera for me because I can't get my work done because then I'll be like, you know, it'll be the back and forth and I'll be like, mm, mm, you know, oh, I like this one. I'm like, I don't I think I told you I'm like, I don't need to like or not like these. Uh-huh. this is ridiculous because. Right. It's just get, about the numbers. Right. I get, you know, like, well, we can't sell that one. I want to keep it. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't need a piece of land in wherever right now, but. You don't? Okay. Well, well, we've got a bunch of them. So. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's kind of funny. I don't. All right. All right. Division of labor, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We we stay in our lanes. Yeah. You know, I don't get into the bookkeeping at all. No, but I'm going to check out and make sure none of these. I'm going to send a company-wide memo. No cemeteries. And if Pete says <laughs> to do it, 
Yeah. So let me talk to them first before you send that out because I need to. I think they would not. Him. No, but I think that they would be like, no, we can't do this. Yes. There's I know. Element of fear. Yeah. <laughs> Heather said no cemetery. Directive from Heather. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So our final thing is I've got some questions that you sent over to me. So I've actually oh, yes. not seen. Have you? By the way, one, one final little thing on that the land evaluation checklist. Mm-hmm. This is actually part of our land flipping training program that is going to be released very soon. We're getting very close to other. Good. Like, it's all coming together. So that uh, training program is going to be released within our land flipping community. So it's going to be, it's going to be. <laughs> Uh, checklists. I have all mm-hmm. kinds of these checklists and different things like to to help you out in the land flipping business. So that specific one's going to be part of that. Uh, obviously, the letter that we send out or purchase agreement, like all these different things are part of it. So you have to, in order to get it, you have to be a member of our land flipping community. And then it's going to be released in there for free. Yeah, it's simple to join. Just give us your name, your address, social security number, date blood, of birth, blood type. blood type. Yes, all this type marital of stuff. status. Political affiliation. Yeah, you're gonna have uh, to opt in for lots of different things. Just but, kidding. You know, nothing like that. <laughs> but it's free. Oh uh, man. No, nothing like that. No, <laughs> just messing with Pete. But yeah, it's super simple. It's, it's what is it like an email and a name or something? Yeah, yeah, a couple things. It's it's basically joining up the school platform oh, okay. where we're hosted. So that's okay. It. So pretty pretty couple basic quick, there. Simple steps. Yeah, and you're gonna be- yeah, fill fill out your bio too. You know. Okay, I'm still working on mine. I've got basic stuff on it okay i started adding more and then i was like um i hit forgot to hit save and i went back and I was like, well oh. i'm level six what are, what level are you heather are you still level one i think i'm a what am i a what's it called a squatter a squatter we have different levels within the community based off of your interaction the likes you do the posts you make the likes you get all these different things so you raise up in levels automatically what are you pete i think level six rancher Rancher. I think the last level is governor, maybe. I don't know, something like that. Okay. So, well, I'm a squatter. So. You're a squatter. Everyone starts as a squatter when they come into the community. So not cool. It's not that hard to progress Wait, past that. So like it's our school. Can't you like change me? Nope. They they don't let you do that. Nope. nope. Okay, well, the school platform needs to get on it. That's unacceptable behavior. They're gonna hear from my people. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. That's but me. They, Your people exactly. Are me. Okay. People will be con you're on. Yeah, so these questions are Mm -hmm. actually real questions that from our land flipping community. I guess that's Uh, a good thing to point uh, out. Yes, and then uh, so we'll figure we'll we'll answer them here. Okay, so Brandon says the title's Letters. Okay, so I've been listening to these podcasts and every time y'all talk about letters, I like you said y'all, that was not me. I haven't heard an in-depth explanation about how that works. How do you get the address to send it to? How do you know they have property for sale or how much to offer them? Is the legal, I'm sorry, is the offer a legal document or can anyone just print it off and send an offer? If anyone can help me understand how the mailing detail works, that would be amazing. Thank you. And if it's in a podcast I haven't heard yet, I apologize in advance. LOL. Okay. Well, this is a really good question because that's actually like all those different things are kind of critical steps of the process mm-hmm. in order to to run this business. So you need to be able to build your list and build their list the right way. You need to be able to send out the letter and who's going to send out your letter for you. All these different things. What is the actual letter that we send? And you you don't have to do this yourself, by the way. No, you don't have to recreate the wheel. No, but like actually print out the letter and sign it or anything. You don't have to do that. I bet people are thinking that that's going to be like hours at the printer and stuffing envelopes. I know some investors, I don't really know them, but I've seen them post online that are actually you know, they they take screenshots of all these different letters and stuff that they have at their house, like uh, pictures of all these letters that they they're t- dropping them off at the mailbox, like that five thousand letters. Crazy. Adjacent to living at a house by a school for me, that's mm-hmm. 
that is my idea of hell. That would not be fun. So anyhow, we use a mailing service. We just send them a list. They've got our letter on file and then they merge it all together and they send them out. But all these different things, and I wish we had time to get into how to do all these different things, but it's a little more complex than just to be able to answer it here. It it, wouldn't do it any justice. No, it would probably be more messy. But I show you exactly how to do all these different steps. So there's no gray area in any of it. Yeah, but he had um, the idea, at least, that he knew that he needed to do all those steps. That's right. So you're like on the right track, Brandon. It's just a matter of you need to figure out how to do all those steps, but Pete's got you covered. Yeah, yeah. We are getting close. And by we, I mean Pete. Pete's getting close. That's right. Cracking the whip. I think it all makes sense when you see it. Is that a mean thing, like for horses, cracking the whip? I think so. Yeah, I think that's where it comes from, but, you know. That's a bad thing. Yeah, well, you know. I throw Uh, tissue boxes at him. Okay, but, you know, I think maybe it'll be evident when I actually release the training program to see what's involved with it. Probably for now, you're probably getting sick of me saying, oh, it's coming. I'm working on it. Yeah, you're probably thinking, but it's very extensive and I'm giving it my all. So we'll see. Okay. I think I'm, I'm happy with that answer. Anson has a question and his is on market deals is the title. Has anyone ever had realtors, brokers submit an off an on market properties, submit on, okay, on on market properties as leads and have you ever purchased these properties or do you stay away from on-market properties as a hard and fast rule? Okay. I think first of all, he's referring to like things that are like listed on the open market. Listed in the MLS and generally with an agent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a couple lots that a broker submitted, but they are both on the market and have already been listed for over two months and have had price decreases. Nailing down market value for these lots is pretty tricky. Comparable lots are all over the place value-wise. Thanks. I guess my first question is like, why? Because like you'd be buying it on market just to list it on market? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So- there's a couple of different parts of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one part he was asking about, have we ever bought properties that way? And we actually have, but with the caveat of we bought properties that were listed on the market, but I didn't realize it. We sent out a letter. The agent responded and said, hey, we've got this property. And the only way that that worked was then that we were like, well, okay, well, I understand it's on the market and everything, but you're on the market for, you know. 300,000 and really the most I could pay for it is, you know, 100,000 or whatever the case may be. And we've worked out deals that way. And then we put it on the market for less than what they had it. Like <laughs> you know, so, so you and... still make that spread, you mm-hmm. know, and that works. But it's not a very common situation. A lot of times we'll get that type of thing, you know, like agents will respond and say, hey, I've, I've got this property listed. You sent my client a letter. And then we're like, okay, well, we'll look at it. And it's, t- it's tough to work out those deals because they have a, they have that that expectation set on what they think that property's worth, you know, and the market is already saying it's not worth that because they're right. It's, they've got it listed for, you know, who knows how long and no one's taking them up on it. And I think it's kind of a stale listing too, in the sense that like a lot of times people can see, Oh, it's been listed over and over again. And right. then, it, and then also they'll see, Oh, it's sold. And now it's listed again. Is there something like, yeah. it just is not in, in a ideal. property like that. You can do a number of things. It's interesting because you can, you know, specifically on Zillow, You can see how many people have viewed the property, Mm -hmm. how many people have saved it. Are you looking for funding for your land flipping deal? Then head on over to partnerwithpete.com. It's an innovative new funding program where we split the profits with you 50-50, but we take it one step further and we handle every other step of the process in the land flipping business. Yes, that means we handle all the due diligence. If the property needs any value add like clearing brush, perk test, survey, we'll get that paid for up front. Then when the property resells, 
we split the profits 50-50. There is absolutely no downside for you as an investor. If we lose money, we don't pass that on to you. But when we make money, when we make profit, we split the proceeds 50-50. So as a recap, we handle every part of the process. We split the profits with you 50-50. There's no downside for you as the investor, only upside. So go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and we'll get it checked out within 24 hours. So you can look at different properties in the area and kind of see what type of activity they're getting, compare this type of activity with that. And then you can also use the other piece of data, like what is it listed for? You know that it's actually not worth that much since it's still on the market. It's been on the market for a while at that price. So, you know, at what point would a buyer be interested? So you could kind of use that data data and look at other comps and things to try to come up with a spot where you think that property would sell. So you do have a little bit more information to work with. And sometimes, like I said, it is possible to work out those deals. I wouldn't throw them out. I would just kind of go back to them and say, hey, here's, you know, if you want to sell it, I want to buy land. Here's what it would take in order for me to buy it. But you got to be, you know, it's got to be your number. You know, don't work from their number. Mm -hmm. Look at the number that would make sense for you and then just let them know. And if they don't want to do it, then they don't have to do it. Right. And and it needs to be. A good piece and, and by of land. the way, if they are responding to one of your letters or something that was sent to their, they already know what your, you know, your, your kind of lower number is. So. Right. Right. And then just have a plan. I don't know. I don't think that's your first. No, no. It's, I'm just saying it's possible to get deals like mm-hmm. that. Maybe if you don't have um, the budget to send out any mail, maybe you could just go around, you know, trying to drum up a deal like that with some hustle. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it works for flippers, mm-hmm. you know, but you're normally doing some sort of change. You're you're enhancing the value, mm-hmm. like yeah. house flippers. Yeah, and and I guess the same thing could happen with land too. Maybe you look at a larger parcel and you say, "Oh, I could subdivide that and sell it off that way." And mm-hmm. maybe it makes sense to buy something more closer to retail in that situation. Right. This is funny. This next question was one right before we came on. I had already chosen. Like I already went in you there. You wanted and answered this one. It. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I answered it. Well, I didn't answer it, but I added my comment too. D says standard versus first class mail. Hi all. Does anyone have a strong preference um, to standard class versus first class mailing for their campaigns? Honestly, I thought I'd go standard, which is cheaper based on many podcast speakers, but I'm waffling on my benefits or on the benefits of first class delivery. Hoping this has already been asked somewhere in the community. Oh, hoping this hasn't been asked. Thanks. Okay. What's really funny to me, I'll let you answer, you know, your thing on this, but is that I was just, I just saw something like a few days ago talking about the difference between like, you know, what the stamp looks like first and, and a standard class and all the people commenting were like, I had no idea. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that there was a difference. Like they didn't know that they're, they just get mail. They didn't know there was a standard or first class. And then they didn't even realize that like looking at it, like they had to do the comparison. And then someone's like, I don't even care. I just open it. What, you know what I mean? So I thought that was like really weird in my brain because I know what it is because of this. But I don't think 99% of the people even like realize it or care. Like it's just, it's mail. It has your name in it. It looks kind of official maybe, you know, yeah. and they open it. So what, what would you say? Definitely go with the type of mail, uh, which is standard mail. Why? Which, because you'll be able, you'll, for a certain mail budget, say you've got a mail budget of you're going to be able to send out a lot more mail than you would if you were to send them out first class. I had a really small budget when I was meeting you, my mail budget. Your mail? (laughs) M-A-L-E, are you talking about? Okay. The dad jokes. Yes, boy, that was a good one, Heather. (laughs) 
cracking myself up. Go on. Yeah. Uh, so anyhow, that was good. Um, <laughs> no, it uh, wasn't. Yeah, I'll have to steal that, that joke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, for a certain budget, you're going to be able to get out a lot more letters and have a lot more potential people to speak with. And it's just the way to go. Now, the downside of standard mail is it takes longer for it to actually get to its destination. So it's common you know, when we send out a mailer, the mailing service sends it out. It, it'll take two weeks to get there. We've had some that take three weeks to get there, you know, maybe because there's some sort of logistics issue within the, the postal service at that point, or, you know, who knows what the deal is. But so as long as, long as you've got some, did, did some planning ahead, you know, you can kind of structure that out. So you're always kind of having those hit, hitting every couple of weeks or something like that, which is, which is what I suggest. It's definitely uh, the way to go because you're going to get a, a lot more potential deals out of that mailing budget. So Right. Yeah. The money can stretch a lot farther. Mm-hmm. I think what you said, too, is that as long as you have that plan in place and you just like clockwork send it out, it doesn't matter how long it takes because yeah, you're, you've already got it lined up and ready to go. Yeah. I, I Some other, I guess, the benefits of first class mail, if you went that way, which is like a standard stamp, mm-hmm. um, they... I believe will forward your mail to a mailing address. I'm not sure they do that with standard. I don't think so. But they also return non-deliverables in that situation, which is really, I mean, I guess you could build a kind of cool list by the non-deliverables and then kind of skip trace and figure out what those people's real address, those current addresses and then send Mm -hmm. them. So maybe, maybe that's a potential there that some people use. I know they use that, that angle, but to me, it's not really worth it. it. It's a big difference in the pricing. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it, it's substantial. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to me, though, on the back end that they have at the post office that like, what are they doing with this mail? If it really is taking longer, are they like, OK, that one's standard. We'll just as you get to it. I think it's all machine sorted and things. So right? I don't think I don't think a lot of that stuff gets into people's hands. Isn't that until, weird? Until the carrier, you know, uh-huh. or maybe they sort it at the post office what box it's going to go to or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. But I agree. The getting the deals is the most important part of the whole business. Yep. So if um if you can get your offers in front of more people, which brings you more deals, it's a no brainer. Yep. More deals mm-hmm. equals more money in Heather's pocketbook. Exactly. My pocketbook. In my pocketbook, folks. Yeah. So I think that answers that question. And um, it's going to be it's going to get busy here, right? You've been sending out even more for us personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've just cranked up to use your term. Did you say cranked up or amped up or something like that? I don't podcast. I'm like um, in a weird place with the weird sayings that I never (laughs) like even just on this podcast. I said like twice that I was like, I don't ever use those terms. But okay, well, I don't know. Maybe a new catchphrase for you. But yes. We uh, dialed up our mail to, uh, it's going to be 100000 a month that we're sending out now. So previously, Offers? We were, I mean, like letters or letters. dollars spent? No, no, offers sent. Okay. So, I mean, we send out a big volume. I was so we're, like, wow, so we're okay. able to get, we're able to get mm-hmm. our price per letter sent to about, it's about 50 cents, you know, roughly mm-hmm. for each. But, you know, we send out a lot of mail in order to get it down to that price. But anyhow. So, yes, we're spending a big budget on mail each month, but we'll hopefully get back a bigger return. And we're also doing some other things like we've got uh, we're experimenting with an AI service that will actually trim down our list. So we're hopefully sending to a more engaged list, a list that's more likely to actually want to sell their property. Very cool. And we'll be sharing all the results with everybody. So that's the benefit, too. Pete can use my pocketbook money to test it out before you guys have to. Pocketbook, yes. I haven't heard that term in forever. Yes, yeah, kind of an older term, I guess. Pocketbook, Heather. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think that's a good place to stop. I'm excited. Okay. Um, got a big podcast coming up next week. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And what is the title of that? You already I'm not planned sharing out? that yet. Okay. <laughs> not going to share it, but I'm sure it'll be great. It will be. Uh, so if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, I don't know if you're listening to this or watching it. If you're listening to it, you should consider also checking it out on YouTube because we've got all kinds of special effects and things happening um, that you can't really tell when you listen to it. It better be spectacular. Yeah, better, yeah. Like, these better be, like, amazing <laughs> now that you've pointed that out. But we would love it if you subscribed to our channel and commented if you had a question because, you know, YouTube loves it when people, like, interact and actually like the videos. Make it nice, please. That, yes, please. I'm just or kidding. else I'll delete it. No. <laughs> wow. I'll, re- I'll respond. Okay. Yes. And my feelings will be hurt, but, you know, that, that's okay. okay. Uh, and then the other thing is, obviously, we've got the link below the video to... Join our community. The other thing I'd like to point out, too, is that our monthly income reports, we post those on YouTube, but we also post an extensive blog post every month. That is exactly how our land business is doing, you know, like what revenue we took in that month, what profit we took in that month, each and every deal that we did, that we resold that month, like what we bought it for, what we sold it for, how many days we held it for, all these different metrics and information and, and things about those properties. So you can get an idea of what's actually involved with this, um, this you know, real estate investing model, and see if it's a if it's a fit for you or not. I heard so. you recording it all weekend. Yes, I spent, yeah, weekend. I spent the whole Easter weekend doing this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I do put in a lot of effort into these things. So I would love it if you checked it out. And if not, I understand too. Again, my feelings will be hurt. But <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, and then you can follow us on um, Instagram. Uh, what's your handle? Reese Peter. Reese Peter. Yes, or. Uh, turning profit pete turning so. profit pete and I'm, it's a lovely life where we share mom and dad jokes okay things that we send each other we also share to our stories yes. i've noticed okay yes i guess i mean that seems like that's the, the the going thing for instagram these days but we do have um like kind of sh- like youtube shorts that i'm gonna try to actually do some more real life stuff in my stories you know it's gonna be exciting folks right yeah it's not gonna be exciting but <laughs> who knows maybe i'll share some stuff that heather will get mad at me for sharing Wow. Okay. Well, you heard it here. (laughs) But anyhow, thank you very much for watching, listening. And uh, yeah, check out the other podcast if you haven't already. All right. Sounds good. All right. See ya. Thanks for tuning in. And if you're ready to start turning profit yourself, visit our website at turningprofit.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word by sharing it with a friend. See you on the next episode.